Welcome to Calvary Conversations, a ministry of Calvary University. Uh, today we have a great discussion on the Barna Report on the State of the Church, a report that was released at the end of uh, 2021, and uh, you can find a link to that report in the uh, comments below. Uh, my guests today are Sean LePage, who is the uh, chair of um, a chair and associate professor of ministry studies at Calvary University, and also the pastor of City Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We also have Jeremy Shell, who is an adjunct uh, teacher at Calvary University and the production pastor at Graceway Church in Kansas City. Uh, we also have uh, Mike Dodds, who is the uh, head or director of CU Press and is a professor of ministry studies at Calvary University as well. Guys, I'm really pleased to have you with us today and am really uh, uh, looking forward to discussing uh, this article with you all. Um, the first question that Barna asks in this article is regarding how adults feel after worship services. And the first item that's reported on here is that uh, two-thirds of church adults feel encouraged, and, and if we want to get at the uh, exact wording here, there's 78% uh, feel encouraged, uh, of practicing Christians anyway, um, after, after church services, inspired uh, most of the time, that's 70% of, of uh, practicing um, uh, Christians, sorry, 82% uh, feel encouraged, 78% feel inspired, 77% feel forgiven after church attendance. So the question I have for you, Sean, just right up front is, is this good news? Like, how do you interpret uh, these findings? Wow, yeah. Uh, well, obviously, um, uh, the Bible tells us to encourage one another and and uh, to be inspired is, is uh, I mean, that, that should go with the territory of being a Christian. Uh, we should be the most inspired and inspirational people on the planet. And of course, forgiveness is at the heart of what we believe. Uh, the question for me, uh, though, is um, is exactly why people feel a certain way. You know, um, people can feel encouraged for lots of reasons. People can feel uh, inspired, uh, whether whether they're Christian or not. And, um, you know, what, what is the basis of their, their feelings of forgiveness? So, so, you know, I mean, um, I think it's, it's positive, you know, um, like, I think if we were, uh, if, if this survey was done, uh, you know, maybe, uh, 20, 25 years ago, a lot of people I think would, uh, probably have responded that they, they, uh, you know, didn't have such great feelings about their church. I don't know, uh, just various uh, uh, attitudes towards the church and, and, and whatever. Uh, I think uh, there was a, at least a stereotype that churches loaded up people with guilt and, and uh, you know, uh, were boring and whatever. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe that was purely stereotype. I, I didn't feel those feelings myself at the time, but... But uh, regardless, you know, I, I just, I just, I want more information. Basically, like, why do people feel encouraged and inspired and forgiven? So, uh, for example, another 
uh, Barna article that I found uh, basically says that most adults feel feel there's that word feelings. Uh, most adults feel accepted by God, but lack a biblical worldview. Uh, you know, the, the, the gist of it is that, um, you know, the, the feelings didn't reflect uh, a truth. They didn't affect or, or reflect that uh, the responders to the survey, you know, really understood uh, why they should be encouraged and why they should be inspired and, and forgiven. You know, people, people can, can have uh, certain feelings, say, of being forgiven, um, but uh, in reality, uh, not be clear about, uh, about um, you know, kind of the basis of forgiveness, which includes, you know, agreement with God. So, like, you, you look at a passage like First uh, John 1, 1, 9, that says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That word confess means to agree, to agree with God that right. what, what we're doing is sin, and he's, he's faithful. He'll forgive us for sure. Uh, but but there's a there's a condition there that we must agree with him that such and such behavior, uh, lifestyle, whatever is is actually sin. That's 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 a condition for receiving forgiveness. So so uh, it's possible, you know, that uh, these feelings of forgiveness are 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 not rooted in biblical truth. Is is that that's my concern? Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on this? I know that you know being responsible for worship music that that's often really considered in the realm of emotion and yeah. as we as we you know as we look at these thoughts about you know feeling inspired feeling forgiven uh do you do you have any thoughts about uh, the uh, what your observations are about the, the emotional connection and uh the the reality or the truth uh, the truth of god's word as it's presented in church yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea, the, the thought of people being inspired is encouraging to me in the sense that, yeah, I, I agree with what Sean said, that we, we do want people to feel that. We, we want them to feel like they've been inspired. I do wonder how deep that runs, right? Is it, is it merely a Sunday inspiration, and then by Monday morning, I, I've lost that inspiration, and, I'm, you know, and, and the rest of the week, I, I spend on this downward slope until which to me doesn't sound good, right? I don't want, I, I would ideally hope that, you know, the song of that Sunday morning, whatever that would be, is something that you can carry with you throughout the week. I was a little surprised by the word forgiven. I thought it's unique. It's unique and interesting that that's the other word that popped up in the report, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because I thought either, hey, are we, you know, is that regularly emphasized in the American church, right? The, the fact of, of forgiveness, uh, because I, I feel like people struggle with that. I feel like, um, like what we were saying that, that we maybe don't understand the root of it in the sense that, you know, I, I know people that struggle that, you know, I can't forgive my neighbor. I can't forgive my family, whatever. And so the idea of maybe saying, oh, all these churchgoers feel forgiven. And yet I see how we treat each other. Uh, would be concerning, <laughs> you right. know. So I feel like that's it's an interesting thing that, in the sense of, yeah, at, when when we're programming worship, yeah, definitely, I, I want to see people inspired and and see people participate and and feel like, you know, through song, I I can 
both express things to God and, and express things to the people I'm with. But then forgiven, you know, forgiven was just such a, to me, just a little bit of a curveball in, in the article. Like, oh, that's that's the other word we went with, you know? I had a bit of a reaction to that myself. It's like, yeah. okay, you can say 70, is it 77? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 77% of practicing Christians feel forgiven. But the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are forgiven through his sacrifice on the cross. Uh, yeah. It's it's a reality that we accept. I, I have a little bit of a concern about feeling forgiven. Uh, it, it seems like on the one hand, uh, I have concerns that uh, you, you would have, you know, 23% of Christians who don't feel forgiven. Right. It, it seems like they haven't embraced that reality regardless of their feeling. And and then I would also have concerns about non-practicing Christians or just other churchgoers feeling forgiven when indeed uh, they have not received the gift of, of, of Christ and his work on the cross. They have not embraced that. Uh, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called the sons of God. So I, I don't know, any comments on that, Mike, uh, you know, as we're talking about forgiveness here? Yeah, I wanted to jump in. Uh, it, I, I'm wondering how broad the survey was. You know, I, I was a chaplain in the Air Force and so saw the diversity of the Protestant question. You know, you were either a Catholic or a Protestant chaplain. And so we had the whole diversity of people there. And going in from my own denominational background and then seeing other people and knowing there are other traditions that pronounce forgiveness and they actually have that as a part of the liturgy, part of their worship activity. Maybe that's part of it. But there, I, I think there's also that expectation when I go to church, there's uh, I, I want to connect with God and I'm dealing with issues in life. And so it might be a personal expression that people have there. But I was thinking that denominational question that people would have, you know, did 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 the service communicate that to me? That's one side, but also. I, I wanted to unload some guilt, and that's why I come to God. You know, that might be it too. Yeah, yeah. You know, the next part of the survey has to do with disappointment, and um, so the 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 cogent part of this uh, deals with um, uh, um, people feeling uh, disappointed. Let's see, it was seven uh, percent or uh, of of practicing Christians. 8% of, of church adults feel disappointed with the church service. And, you know, I'm reacting a little bit to this, honestly, just, just wearing this out, uh, you know, in the open here. Uh, because I think there, there, are, there are some reasons that are very legitimate uh, in terms of feeling disappointed after a church service, and there are some reasons that are, are, are not at all. And uh, I know that we tend to gravitate toward a very consumerist culture when it comes to church. So I'm curious your thoughts, uh, Mike, on 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 that. Um, when do you think it's valid to be disappointed, uh, or what kinds of disappointments do you think are valid uh, with respect to church, and what are not so valid? Yeah, people people come to church with, with good expectations, appropriate, some inappropriate. All right, we understand that, but I, I've seen through the years that we expect the church to be perfect. And that's sort of a good thing. <laughs> we expect God to communicate and relate to us in, in uh, perfect ways, but that, that's a high expectation. Some of these questions here, I, 
I wish the report would say more. What do they mean feel guilty about what? Uh, disappointed about what? Uh, uh, your expectations met about what? All right, so there was a lot missing from the report. But I, I do know that people come to church you know, expecting to, to hear hope, just a, an expectation of if there's a God and he's all powerful, can't he do something for me if he loves me? So the, there's a hope in what we hear. There's an expectation of the people. Uh, we, I've concluded that probably some of the deepest disappointments we'll have is with other Christians in life. Now, family for sure, but uh, because we're expecting them to be perfect, but you know, we come imperfect and they come imperfect too. And, and so there's some disappointment maybe with the people, uh, maybe with the expectation for finding friends and you know, and that's that's a good expectation about church. We talked about fellowship. Sean, you mentioned that we want to encourage one another. We come with that expectation. So I, I, I wish it would have said a little bit more in some areas of detail there. And I'm thinking with my pastor hat on here. Um, but I how to address those expectations and and that comes through the sermon, that comes through the relationships, that comes through how you talk. You know, and I'm thinking of the, of the leaders in the church and how so people can temper their expectations. You know, it's it's interesting. I had a lady in one church. <laughs> she uh, got up as a sharing evening one evening, and she says, "You know, I, I really like coming to this church, and I, I like I like new churches. But then I find out what people are like, and I want to go to another church." <laughs> right? So I, I mean, we all laughed with her, but we knew the reality of it. You know, and and so we've got to find reality, and you know, it, it's. Uh, as one person said, another one one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, and, and so that that's we, we got to, as you said, or Tim earlier, we have to temper and understand what's a biblical expectation, you know, when we come to church, and, yeah. and then you can get into worship and and the sermon and all those expectations that go along with it that we need to have some reality. Jeremy, I can imagine that you uh, often experience people seem to be very have a lot of high opinions about or strong opinions about uh, what worship music should be and should not be. And I'm sure you catch the brunt of a lot of that discussion. Can you talk a little we bit do. about that yeah. disappointment? Yeah, I know. It's always. Yeah, I always think about like, you know, who who's going to come up to you today and be like, you know, if you would have just sang this song or or frankly, in this style, <laughs> you're like, oh. You know, it's it, it it's it's where you have to think like, you know, I, I literally, you know, if you did a, a, a Sunday for every group, I don't know if we'd even make it through <laughs> every every set of people. Right. You know, OK, just for the hymn people and just for the liturgical people. So, yeah. And I, I thought about this, too, thinking about, you know, when you work at a church, sometimes it's hard to to grab to, to grasp this question because we oftentimes understand the reasons why, but I think about like when I talk to people is you know, sometimes who say, well, I, I was disappointed because maybe the lead pastor didn't speak today or, or, uh, or I was disappointed. And, and I, Mike, you had on a couple of really high points that we hear, you know, I, I didn't connect with someone today, or I, I felt like people weren't friendly. We, you know, it's one thing we've done at our church. Like as we, you know, we, we survey sometimes our, our first time guests, like, Tell us about your experience, and and you know you hate it when someone says, "Yeah, well, no one, you know, nobody greeted me," and so you, oh, that's a huge miss, you know, because ideally we ought to be the most friendly place on the planet. You know, it's like 
ideally the church ought to be the one place where you feel like we, we're glad you're here. Uh, but yeah, in, in the worship world, it's it's uh, hilarious and really can be disheartening at the same time sometimes because you think, you know, we've worked really hard and you're like, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> but I think, too, you know, for those, you know, for preaching pastors, I'm assuming you feel the same way, right? Like I prepped really hard on that sermon and everyone was like, yeah, pastor, it really didn't hit the mark. <laughs> so... Well, um, we have one more question I'd like to to get to, and and um, Jeremy, this is actually starting with you. Yeah. Uh, again, this deals with personally experiencing the presence of God. As we look at the Barna uh, report, it says that the majority of both practicing Christians, seventy seven percent, and church adults, sixty two percent, say that they feel as if they have connected with God or personally experienced the presence of God most of the time or frequently following a church service. Um, you know, as we talk about this language of experiencing the presence of God, you know, th there are certain denominations that that uh, probably emphasize that more. Um, there are certain denominations that perhaps uh, view the experience of, of church as more of a cerebral or, or knowledge uh, a gathering sort of function. Uh, I'm curious, how, what your reaction, Jeremy, is to to this? I know that people put a lot of pressure on the worship leader to do things like lead us into the presence of God or lead us to the throne, and and they use a lot of language like that. And, and I'd be really interested in your response to to this uh, yeah. the findings of this article. Yeah. I, again, it there there's some it, it can be both at the surface. Oh, this is encouraging, right? I feel like we're we're doing a good job. Okay. At the same time, I, I do I, I would love to know the context of the question, right? You know, is is that evaluating the whole service? Because you know, especially when I've programmed worship before, for me that that's a piece of it. Is and and one of the things like I even work with our students on is worship doesn't stop when the praise team leaves the stage, right? The that right. it's an entire service, right? So so my goal would be that. Whether you're giving announcements or you're praying or you're preaching, all of that ought to be worshipful. All of it ought to to have that that spirit of worship versus it being the only time we're experiencing God's presence is in in the music. Well, that that can't be because then do we not experience God's presence in prayer or or in the preaching of His Word? And and I think there have been moments where you know in the middle of a sermon you feel like you're on holy ground because. Either the the spirit is convicting me of something that I'm hearing, or, or mm -hmm. even the broader you know the broader congregation is sometimes we have to be reminded as a church of where we've you know, our our failures and misgivings are. Um, I do think it's important for worship leaders and pastors to emphasize people worshiping in spirit and in truth, right? Understanding that that it should be both. A uh, yeah, I mean I think we. We should enjoy the feeling of singing and, and praising, but there should be something cerebral to that, right? We should be also applying the biblical knowledge that we have and the truth of God's word into what we do in worship uh, versus it just being, I had a good feeling. Because <laughs> that's that's right. going to last you till about the afternoon <laughs> or maybe Monday morning when you're like, yeah, now I don't have that feeling anymore. <laughs> Or, or, or maybe not quite to the end of the Chiefs game. Yeah. Uh, let's not, let's, you know what, let's not go there. Yeah, uh, no, I think the, the, the pain yeah, it, will, uh, 
it, it's interesting. The, the later in the Barna report, it talks about. Did you feel like it was the most important experience of the week or something like that? One of the questions. Um, I, what does that mean? Again, I'd like to, to know a little bit more. When you think of worship, it has to be a whole person thing. You know, Jeremy, you focused on what seems to be a, 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 a false view that worship that only has to do with the music because there's that emotional element. But yet you also mentioned that it, that it has to be whole person. There has to be that cognitive. I need to connect with truth. It's interesting that Paul in Romans 12 says, you know, we we give our spiritual service of worship. It's usually translated it's service. And then he goes on and says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But Paul also says, you know, when I preach, I want it to be not just the mind, the cognitive. I want spirit and power. I mean, God moves. So it's whole person It's the mind It's the emotions. But then we need to connect with the will. And that's what I was thinking of that question where he said, I, is it the most, do I feel uh, that I want to change, challenge to change? That was the next question in that area. Uh, and yeah, we should be challenged. So it's it's a whole person thing. And we need to help people to see that. Sean, I'll yeah. let you close us out with any, uh, any thoughts you would have on, as a pastor, on uh, leading the congregation into an experience with God, what that what that looks like and your response to the Barna report on this. Yeah, yeah, I really, really enjoyed hearing uh, your perspectives. And 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 uh, I, I think, you know, um, I would I would like to use this uh, as a as a discussion tool. So like I, I think, um, you know, it would be great to sit down with uh, members of uh, of our churches and and just look at these these uh, responses to this survey and just get people's input you know right. um and and uh you know then then talk with the you know talk about you know the legitimacy of feelings i mean feelings are feelings that's not you know there's nothing wrong or right about having feelings about something but but i think you know you could also dig down a little deeper and find out you know try to find try to figure out why do we, why do you have those feelings? You know, why do you leave our worship service feeling guilty? You know, or or whatever. I think I think uh, this would make this would just be a great discussion tool. Um, uh, you know, uh, with with uh, members of the of the church as well as I think this would be a great uh, thing for the staff of a church or the leadership of a church to to work through and 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 really you know. Uh, uh, um, try to figure out, try to really assess, you know, how you're doing, you know, like, for example, what are we trying to accomplish with a worship service? What, what, what's the point? What's the goal? You know, like that quote that I was frantically searching for earlier is that most born again Christians hold a confusing and inherently contradictory set of religious beliefs mm -hmm. that go unchecked by the leaders and teachers of their faith community. So, so wow, I mean, I, I, I can really see myself using this survey as a, as a conversation tool to really uh, help people, you know, uh, assess whether their religious beliefs uh, are contradictory. And, and if so, I mean, all of us probably have contradictory beliefs, but, but if our, if, if that's so, then, you know, what, what should we do about it? And, and, you know, um, how can the the leaders and teachers of of this faith community help you 
to to really develop a biblical worldview and how might that impact your feelings about church services you know so that's kind of those are my thoughts well, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us today, Jeremy and Sean and Mike. It has been a pleasure. And uh, I encourage our, our listeners to read this Barna report. Uh, use it. I, I think, Sean, you, you, you ended on a great tone there. Use it as a, as a discussion starter with your, your, your fellow church members, even with your church leadership, and uh, see, see what the Lord does through those discussions. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.